Well, I just believe that God is in this place. It's just such an awareness of the presence of God. So if you thought it was a good idea to come here tonight, I want to tell you it wasn't your idea. God has got a divine appointment with you. And God has choreographed this moment so that He can get your attention. And even if God got all these people together just so that he can speak to you, then amen to that. I'm going to speak tonight on finding me moment. Your me moment. I think some of you, society might know who you are. The world, the business world out there might know who you are. The student world might know who you are. But you still don't know who you are. God has set this moment aside. So that you can have an existential awakening. For, for the first time maybe. Or once again maybe. Understand exactly. Why do you exist? Why are you here? Because God has placed you here for a purpose. He's got a reason for your life. So we're going to read a scripture. And I hope we'll have it up there. Luke chapter 15. Verse 17. Now this is the story of the... The Bible will often refer to it as the prodigal son. But there were two sons. This, I feel the story should have been called the loving father. Because it's all about the father. And maybe you, you don't know the story. So it's about two young men. The one wants his inheritance. He wants what's due to him now. And he gets that and his brother gets what he's supposed to get. And then he leaves and he spends all his money. And once he's spent all, there was a famine in the land... Now he's sitting in a pigsty and he's desiring to eat what the pigs are eating. And that's a horrible picture. But imagine you're a Jew and Jesus is telling this to you that a Jew boy wants to eat what the pigs are eating. That's not kosher, is it? So it's meant to be an offensive story. Because sometimes we need something to shock us into reality again. To get us to a place of an awakening. Where we say the following words. Verse 17 says, But when he came to himself, that's your finding Mima. Your moment when you come to yourself. When you realize what a mess this is that you find yourself in. And that there's someone higher. There's a father that's waiting for your return. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish with hunger. 
I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And we're just going to take that little verse apart a bit and just apply it to our lives. When he came to himself. I'm asking you tonight to do a spiritual audit on your life. I'm not asking you to see if you're popular amongst people, amongst the other students. I'm not asking you to check if you're successful in your grades. I'm asking you to do a spiritual audit of your life. If you've ever driven in a car, I mean, I drove in Italy on the left-hand side of the road, and I drove my GPS crazy. I don't like women shouting at me, but that thing was shouting at me. Recalculate, recalculate, recalculate. And I want, to look, I want you to look at the, at the blueprint that God has set before you. And look at where the pin position is and ask yourself, am I where God has planned for me to be? Or do I need to recenter my life? Maybe you're not even aware that there's a blueprint for your life. And I want to tell you that God has got a purpose and a plan for you. You might feel overlooked. You might feel like nobody has taken any note of you. But God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. So I'm asking you, do not waste your life. Do not, do not keep yourself busy with trivial stuff. Get onto the page, get, get onto the same page as where God is and recenter tonight. Have your me moment with God. Not a moment with a psychologist or a psychiatrist, as good as they might be. Tonight you have a moment with God. And I ask you to use your time wisely. I don't know if you've heard it before, but I, I, I've been to Namibia a few times and while there, I heard the story about a couple who drove down from Swakopman to Cape Town, but they left a bit late. So on the road, the, 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 the guy got tired and he asked his wife to drive at night. So they're driving and there's, I mean, he falls asleep. And you know when, when a guy sleeps, he snores? And when a guy snores, it, it's, when it's a soft snore, it can make their partner fall asleep as well. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything about guys who snore loud. It's a guilty as charged. <laughs> um, but so she got tired and she didn't want to wake him up. And she was looking out for just a place to turn off. And so she could take a little break and to sleep, take a little nap. And so she's a little bored. 100 meters, you can stop and rest, but it's on the other side of the road. So she slows down, pulls over, turns around and pulls into that park, parking space, and she takes a little nap. But she takes a nap a bit longer than what she expected, so sleeps for like two hours, then wakes up, her husband is still sleeping, and she decides, okay, now she's going to put food down because they need to get to Cape Town, and she starts riding. And a couple of hours later, she starts seeing welcoming boards to her hometown again. 
Then she realized she never turned back. She never recalculated. And as funny as that might seem, you might be heading very deliberately in the wrong direction. Maybe sometime in your life, something has caused your life's direction to take a change. And it's never been corrected again. And you're heading in the wrong direction at quite a high speed. God is saying to you tonight, recalculate. Come, come to yourself, come to your senses. Come to God. Turn around and start going into the direction that God is leading you. God has got a purpose and a plan for you. Tonight, you, you need to know that if God has called you, He has prepared a place at a banqueting table for you. Not in a big stuff. Yes. So what you are eating, what you are feeding on today, is your choice. Nobody has forced you to be here. If you're not happy with what's in front of you, if you're eating pig food, know that you've made a wrong choice somewhere in life. And today God is calling you to change that around. To make the right choice. To come to His banqueting table and feast with the King of Kings. I'm reminded of a young boy. His name was, was Mephibosheth. He's the son of Jonathan, who is the son of Saul. Now, the day that Saul was chosen as king, he stood out head and shoulders above the rest. So he was about as tall as me. <laughs> he stood head and shoulders above the other guys, and he was a, a handsome, strong warrior. And we understand that his son Jonathan was even more handsome than, than him. So you could imagine what his son would look like. Everything going for him. He's going he's gonna to someday take over the throne. And then news comes to their home that both his father and grandfather has died in the war. And that sent shockwaves through that whole household and the nanny meant well. She picked him up and she ran for the mountains and then she dropped him and he became lame in his feet. And he ended up sitting in a little town called Lodiba. It's not a kind of jeep. Lodiba is a, is a place. But he was supposed to be king and David became king because of Jonathan dying. So, so he was sitting under, a, under the table of a stranger eating the food that, that, came, the, the, the food that came from there, the leftovers. Because somebody dropped him. Now I sense that there's somebody in this place today. And you're not sitting at the banqueting table of the king. Because somebody dropped you. And, oh, that's how you feel. What should have been? You should have been king. You should have been this, this person that everybody looks up to. 
and he's sitting crippled at the table of a stranger. God wants to change that today. Because even in Mephibosheth's life, news came, somebody came and said to him, the king is calling you. The king is calling you. And he went with a guy and he went to see David and David said, come and sit at my table for the rest of your life. I want to say to you that the king is calling you. The king is calling you. You don't have to sit at a stranger's table. You don't have to eat what the pigs are eating. God is calling you to his banqueting table. And his banner over you is love. God wants to have fellowship with you. This young guy, when he asked his father for his inheritance, he disregarded the value of fellowship with his father. He left because he thought money was everything. And he disregarded fellowship. But money dried up. And when he came back home, fellowship was still there. I tell you, you might think that you can get through life without fellowship. This is a safe place. Fellowship amongst brothers and sisters who follow Jesus with a passion, that's a safe place. That's who you need to be. You wonder why you've been finding it difficult to make way in life, to to make headway? Don't underestimate the value of fellowship. Not only with brothers and sisters, but with the Father himself. There's a scripture in Matthew 16, 26. You can have it up there. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? We can be so busy preparing ourselves to be successful that we actually lose the most important part of us. We can be so, so busy equipping ourselves to be successful to make money. But this young man had to find out money isn't everything it's made out to be. Remember they interviewed Tiger Woods when he was still very popular. And they said to him, how important is money to you? And he said, it's only second to oxygen. Suppose that, that point of view changed when that car rolled down that embankment. See, money is not everything it's made out to be in the world. God has put something in you that he wants you to draw, he wants to draw you to him. And some of the things that you've been through is, has become a barrier. And now you're sitting in a pigsty, somewhere where you're not happy, somewhere where you're not satisfied with your circumstances. I've got news for you today. You don't have to remain there. God is calling you by name. I've got a concern. And with that concern, God gave me a very clear picture. One of three that I'll share tonight. 
So a picture of a young lady. And she's in a, a, a battle, in a struggle. Because on the one hand, she wants to follow God so desperately. On the one hand, she, she wants to be spiritually in tune with God. But on the other hand, she's dabbling with family beliefs. She's dabbling with things that the world find acceptable. The Bible's got a word for that. It's witchcraft. So, so just dabbling with witchcraft is bad enough. It's not good for you. So if that's you, if you're battling, you're in this battle of still dabbling in witchcraft, but, but you want to serve God, God wants to break that shackle today. It's only God. You can't have both. So the picture that I got with that was somebody who's on a diet, on a real strict diet. So you don't buy chips. You don't buy sweets, but if you walk past a friend who's got chips, you'll take one of their bag and, and just eat. Because you're on a diet, remember? God gave me this word. He said, somebody else's chips can make you fat. <laughs> just because you're having one there and one there, if you've got a hundred friends, you're in trouble. You'll get fat. God's giving us a warning. Do not dabble in witchcraft. I'll give you a simple example. There's a new thing on Facebook going around. Just touch here and see what your mood's going to be like today. Just touch on your birthday month and you'll find out who you're going to marry. That's fortune telling. That's witchcraft. You might be doing something simple like that and you, you kind of cannot understand why you're not moving forward. God wants to break that today. He wants to set you free from the big star. From the, from the mighty pit where that you're in. He wants to set you free. And only God can do that. You can't do that in your own strength. Here's the paradox that has crept into the church. People want to, people live physically contaminated, but they believe they're spiritually pure. That does not work. People think they can separate their physical, their body from their spiritual side. If you're contaminated, you're contaminated. And God, God wants to bring you to your memo moment. We realize up to this point and no further. The fact that God is giving you such a heavy message today is because He loves you. Because He wants to stop you going down this road of self-destruction. Actually, God has given me a few pictures. One that He's given me in worship is somebody is so cut up inside. That you contemplating cutting yourself on the outside because you're so cut up inside. You are screaming in silence because it just hurts so much. But nobody's hearing you. 
And you're hoping that when you cut yourself on the outside, somebody will take note. I've got news for you. God has taken note. God has taken note and He wants to, to sort that click out tonight. So afterwards, we, we're going to pray for you. Because God's about to change your life around. I haven't got no clue when I started. What time did I say? Okay. Good. So that paradox does not work. You can't be physically contaminated, but spiritually pure. So when we look at um, this scripture, it says, He came to Himself, and what's the first thing He said? There are servants that have more than enough bread. More than enough. My God is a God of more than enough. You don't just have to scrape through. You don't have to just make it every time. Honestly, to that young man who brought the word about finances, well done. My prayer is that God will raise you up. And that one day I will sit in the crowd and you will be preaching. I really, I pray that God will do that for you. Is that you there? Yes, I pray that God will do that. That God will take the limitations off you. Limitations that you put on you yourself, maybe parents, I don't know who put on you, but I pray that God will take the limitations off you and you'll rise up and one day I'll have the privilege of sitting in a crowd where you're preaching. Our God is a God of more than enough. His blessings. He doesn't want to just... We used to sing a hymn when I was young, much younger than now. Um, showers of blessings. Showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops round us are falling. But for the showers we played. And I believe it's shower time. I believe it's shower time. My God pours out His blessing. We do not have to live like paupers. God is a God of more than enough. We are spiritual beings that happen to be in physical bodies. But sometimes we make more of the physical body than the spiritual side. This is where the second picture came came in. And it, it might sound harsh, but I'm saying this in love. Because God wants to change, change your life around. We are spiritual beings in a physical body. But sometimes we provide better for the flesh than what we provide for the spirit. And God gave me a word, a very harsh word, but I want to hear this from God, not from me. So when the meeting is over, allow me safe passage out and you can start throwing stones afterwards. <laughs> God gave me a picture of a young girl. You say, well, I could be right, there's many young girls here. God gave me a picture of a young girl and specifically, you have the perfect amount of body fat. There's actually almost no body fat on you. Because you're taking such good care of what you're eating and you exercise. You're not eating carbs, you're not taking any sugar. Actually, a lot of people compliment you because you're so well built. And the word God gave me was no carbs, no sugar, but sexually immoral. 
harsh. But you need to understand, God is calling us to, to take care of our spiritual part with the same amount of discipline or even more that we would look after our physical bodies. And your physical body is only acceptable to other people. But your spirit needs to be acceptable to God. So God didn't give this word because he wants to put you on the spot or he wants to um, highlight your problem. He wants to highlight it, but he wants to stop that. He wants you to be careful what you take in that will contaminate your spirit. Now that doesn't give you reason to become overweight and say, God's not interested in my body. So some of the, those who are saying, ah, oh, you know, your boyfriend moans about your weight. You say, no, 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 but I'm spiritually light. <laughs> I actually just want to help some people, yeah? The Bible doesn't, doesn't point out that you must be that thin. The Bible doesn't point out that you must be overweight. The Bible actually gives us a verse that says, Ladies, you should be a medium. <laughs> Tell you where I got that. Tell you where I got that. When Saul went on one of his rampages into some town, they got outside of town and he said to his guys, Go and find me a medium. <laughs> a fortune teller. <laughs> No sugar, no carbs, but sinning to the point where it's disappointing God. God has shown me a picture of a young man, and this is specifically for tonight, so I'm speaking to people here tonight. God has shown me a picture of a young man. He's, he's built like me, well built, big and muscle. Like, <laughs> I think if you had to play rugby, it would be a flank or a prop. He's like big and strong. God said to me, physically strong, but spiritually paralyzed. And God wants to turn that around. God wants to make you a giant in the kingdom of God. I know this is harsh. It's not easy to say. But when the Holy Spirit brings it up, we need to say it. It's important that you get to a place today where you say, I might be flourishing financially. I might be about to get my degree and leave here on that final day that you're having the celebration. And then I'll enter a world where I'll be successful. But actually, you are perishing. You are perishing spiritually. Because somewhere, you've left the blueprint that God has set out for your life. And you've gone your own direction. God, in His grace and in His mercy, has orchestrated tonight. So that you can find your moment with Him.
I'm speaking to someone here today and you're drifting. God has called you. You know you're called. But something happened and you started drifting and you're disregarding the calling on your life. You fill that space with career. I want to say to you today, calling should always outweigh career. Amen. I'm not saying that you mustn't study. I'm not saying that you must not become the lawyer or the, the doctor. I'm saying that your calling to be ambassador of Christ yeah. is more important than anything else in the world. Amen. God say you've drifted, but I want to bring you back to me. And when I, when I, when I saw that, can we get Daniel 5 up there? And this is the writing that was inscribed, many, many, tickle and fasten. And that scripture means you have been weighed and found wanting. You see, when you place God's purpose for your life on the scale with you, you will never be found wanting. But it's when we remove the purpose of God out of our lives, you'll be found wanting. I want you to, to get to your to finding Mimo. Where you understand that you've come this far be, without God. But you can't go further without God. Some people say, but you can live without God, can't you? Yes, you can. But I suggest you don't die without God. Yeah. God is, you're right, he said, he's, he's tangibly here Amen. because he's serious about you. We're living in a society where we have more pleasures than any other time in the history of, of, of civilization. People have more pleasures, but they're more miserable than ever before. Because pleasure doesn't give you the peace of God. God is calling you by name. He wants to change the route that you're on. And you might be one of these three people that need to say, it says this, verse 18 of Luke 15, it says, when he came to himself, he said, I will arise and go. I will go to my father's house and will say, Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and before you. I'm going to end with this. In society, we've been, we, we've been taught to say sorry. You bump against somebody with a pick and pay trolley, you say sorry. 
smack your brother over the head with a lead pipe? You say, sorry. I know, I know of a brother and sister that was fighting. And the brother said to the sister, you are ugly. And the mother said, no, say you're sorry. And he said, I'm sorry that you're ugly. <laughs> See, society has taught us to say sorry. But they haven't taught us to repent. There's a difference between saying sorry and repenting. And God's not calling you to say sorry tonight. God's calling you to repent of the sin in your life. Because sorry is not going to get you anywhere. You've said sorry many times. But when we repent, it's, it's a moment of face to face. Looking somebody in the eye and really regretting what you've done. So God's calling you not to once again say sorry. Sorry, Lord, for what? We tend to pray this. Sorry, Lord, if I have sinned, then please forgive me. If you have sinned? As if, as if, as if the thought of sinning never crossed your mind. Tonight, God's calling you to repentance. So can I ask you, are you living for something worth dying for? Or are you just living an ordinary life? Tonight God wants to restore you. So I want to ask if, before we even minister to anybody else, if you're sitting here and you're saying to me, Gladys, I'm in a pigsty, but I don't even know the Father. I don't know where to go to. Then I want to suggest that you take the, what's explained in Romans 10 verse 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. I need to make something clear. That sometimes when preachers stand up on a pulpit and they say, who would like to be saved? People put up their hand and they say, I'd like to be saved. And then the guy in front prays a prayer and people go home believing they're saved. And you might have been living under that for your whole life or for many years. Because you put up your hand. But Romans 10 verse 9 doesn't say, put up your hand. It says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Then you will be saved. So I'm going to ask us to just close our eyes so that there's no pressure on anybody. If you want to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior, if your, if your life feels to you like, really, I'm in a mess. I pay, I'm perishing. If that's you and you want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm not going to call you out to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want you to focus on Jesus. But if that's you, will you please just slip up your hand? 
to acknowledge that you want to accept Jesus. Thank you. I've got one hand here. Thank you. Anybody else? There's another hand up there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? This is not to make the preacher look good. This is between you and God. This is about eternity. You know, making a good investment in, in something here on earth. It's about eternity. It's about your right standing with God. This is your moment with God. I'm going to give it one last opportunity. If you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, just put up your hand where I can see it. And somebody will come and join you and pray with you and lead you to the Lord. Thank you. There are two more hands up there. So now I'm going to ask you to do what's happening in heaven. Bible says when somebody gives their heart to Jesus, there's pandemonium in heaven. So let's give God a praise. Yes. 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 Oh, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father God, I want to pray for every person that raised their hand right now. Thank you that there's a new name written down in glory. And each one of their names. I thank you, Lord, that you are writing the names in your book from where nobody can block it. Pray, Lord God, that as, as they are being led to you to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior right now in this very moment, you will impart into them the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Thank you. Thank you. I pray, Lord God, that you will protect their minds and their hearts. That you will guide and lead them through your Holy Spirit. And that their lives will become lighthouses to those around them. A beacon drawing people to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to just remind you of what, what God is wanting to deal with tonight. And he wants to deal with more. So if you've got a need that you want prayer for, please come up to the front. But specifically, specifically, if you're battling and you've been dabbling in witchcraft, it's not that easy just to say, okay, I'm going to stop. There are ties that need to be broken. And there will be of the, some of the leaders up here that will be praying for you. So if that's you, if you need, maybe you should wait till the end so nobody knows exactly what you're coming up for. So you don't have to be ashamed. But I'm going to need you to come to the front. I'm going to need if you, the guy who's so strong on the outside but spiritually paralyzed, really need to pray for you. If you're the no sugar, no carbs, but sinning person. And that doesn't just have to be a lady. Guys, Guys sin as well. I actually want to say this. It's a word that God is just dropping into my spirit right now. I believe God is saying that men should start to realize their responsibility before a holy God and stop putting young girls under pressure. So that they, their lives are destroyed and they have to battle to put their lives back together. 
It's something that needs to stop because God is going to hold you accountable for that. And maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you've destroyed a few lives. You need to repent. Come before God. And the wonderful thing is, the moment we say, forgive me, He says, forgive him. So any one of those areas, any other area that you need prayer for, just to be set free. Won't you come up to the front? We can get the worship team up here and let them worship. And then the leaders that you're comfortable with, get them around to pray for people. But I want to thank you for this opportunity. A few years ago, I watched Louis Giglio preach at one of the passion conferences of the students in America. And I sat there and I looked at it and said, God, what must that be like? To, 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 to be amongst young people passionate for God. And tonight I found out what that's like. I want to thank you. I want to thank you.